you're listening to the Psych Nurse Practitioner Podcast. This is Ana Sanchez, your host. I discuss evidence-based research on mental health. I dispense empathy, hope, and share with you a deeper understanding of what mental illness is. Together, we can raise awareness, improve attitudes, and remove the barriers to mental health. Thank you. This is Ana Sanchez, your host. Today, we will be talking about neurobiology of trauma. We'll talk about the signs and symptoms, the risk factors, and the plan for treatment. So let us begin. What is trauma? According to the APA, trauma is an emotional response to a terrible event like a natural disaster, mass shooting, accidents, sexual assault, and also from combat. Trauma can occur one time from an unexpected event like an accident or a violent attack, or it can be ongoing from exposure to a crime-ridden neighborhood. It can be repeated uh, trauma from bullying, domestic violence, and childhood neglect. Your patient may have trauma also from life-threatening medical illness. The death of a loved one from a disaster or an accident may cause your patient to have PTSD symptoms. Um, Images from social media may also have an indirect cause of traumatic stress. Now, people exposed to trauma may be shocked initially or they may deny that it has happened. Long-term reactions may include flashbacks. Your patient may struggle from um, unpredictable or label emotions. It can result from strained relationships. They also may have somatic symptoms such as nausea, headaches, and also body aches. Now, a lot of these are normal um, reactions that people have from traumatic event. Emotional and psychological trauma decreases your patient's sense of security. Your patient may feel helpless and hopeless due to danger that they've experienced. They may also feel numb, and disconnected and may dissociate from others and also from dissociation from the event itself. They may also have difficulty trusting other people. Some people who go through these events may talk to you about their symptoms and you as a psych nurse practitioner will have to help them process this trauma. As the nurse practitioner, educate yourself on the study on the um, adverse childhood experiences that are traumatizing to your patients that occurred from childhood that disrupts their sense of safety. This is due to neglect, domestic violence, um, physical, emotional, and sexual abuse, separation from a parent, divorce, living in an unstable environment, or a serious illness. You, as a nurse practitioner, need to be aware that 60% of Americans experience at least one adverse experience during childhood. More than 50% of those surveyed um, had experienced four or more types of different childhood events. Women, American Indian and Alaskan Natives, the Latino community, and African-Americans have a higher risk of experiencing four or more types of these adverse childhood events. Your patients who have experienced these adverse childhood events 
are at greater risk for poor school performance, decreased self-esteem, negative outcomes, violence, unemployment, and they are at higher risk for behaviors that are negative, such as alcohol or substance use, um, hypersexuality, and also violence in, in their uh, relationships. They also have increased medical comorbidities. So let us talk about the effect of trauma to the brain. When a person experiences a traumatic event, chemistry in the brain is altered in the brain functions differently. You, as the provider, needs to understand the neurobiology of trauma that will help survivors of trauma understand their experiences as you engage with them in their journey to their healing. Now, according to Doc, Dr. Douglas Bremner, the amygdala, hippocampus, and the prefrontal cortex have been implicated in the stress response to trauma. Let's break this down um, further. The prefrontal cortex is the decision-making of the brain that is responsible for rational thinking, executive function, planning, and remembering. So when a person experiences trauma, the prefrontal cortex becomes less effective due to extreme fear. The brain is currently on survival mode. They become, um, they go into this fight or flight or freeze response. There's an increased release of hormones such as the cortisol and norepinephrine when trauma occurs. Now let's talk about freezing. Freezing is a very common reaction to trauma or fear. The frozen response is normal and patients or somebody who goes through trauma may not be able to fight back or run away. Some patients who have suffered from trauma may become immobile. They may become limp out of fear or they may pass out or unable to speak or move. You, as the provider, need to educate your patient that this is a normal reaction to trauma and fear. This is an evolutionary breakthrough because we have to protect ourselves. The immobility, the limping, the passing out and not able to move is a survival mechanism from an evolutionary standpoint and is hardwired into our brains. Some survivors of trauma may experience dissociation, and it's a reflex when the body may dissociate or disconnect to the traumatic event. Again, this is part of the survival mechanism. The dissociation experience is an autopilot uh, when the prefrontal cortex is not being used, but becomes a habitual response that is rooted in the socialization of that person even though one is being sexually assaulted, facial expression may change when one will smile to the perpetrator or even when rape, and, and even though rape is not consented. But this smile or facial expression is due to fear and becomes uh, a mode for survival. The experience then become encoded differently in the brain. So this is the reason why those who suffer from trauma are not able to remember the chronological order of the event. 
So when you're doing your um, comprehensive assessment of the patient, they might feel like they're all over the place. They're, they're tangential in their thoughts. They might have some flight of ideas. The memories are encoded on how the room looked like. The smell of the alcohol in the perpetrator's breath, the sound of the IED blast, what their surroundings look like, or the layout of the room, or the accident itself. But they will not remember the chronological order of the event. The context on time sequence information is not encoded sequentially. You, as a nurse practitioner, needs to educate your patient, healthcare providers, police officers, investigators, and other staff members regarding this encoding of the event. This is again a normal process of the survivor during a traumatic event because it impacts the brain's fear circuitry and will focus on other things instead of the actual time sequence of events. Some memories from the event would be contextual in information and never, never the time sequence information. Again, normalize this processes of the brain during um, traumatic situation. It happens to rape survivors, to soldiers, to Marines, to um, our sailors or airmen in combat, police officers, uh, security, and those who have suffered from uh, trauma. So studies have shown that PTSD affects the brain volume that increases the amygdala function and decreases the prefrontal and the anterior cingulate function. This is why you need to stress to your patients and encourage them to take antidepressants because it helps counteract the effects of stress in the hippocampus. Again, antidepressants help counter, uh, counteract the effects of stress in the hippocampus. As we know, uh, trauma can result uh, in PTSD symptoms that affects about 8% of Americans. Some patients who, have, who are at higher risk for mental illness may result, ha have depression and may result in depression, substance abuse, personality disorders, medical and health problems, and dissociation due to traumatic stress. Again, this is very important that you as the nurse practitioner provide mental health aid to patients and mediate the symptoms of trauma-related disorders. So what are the signs and symptoms of PTSD? These can include hyperarousal, hypervigilance, intrusive thoughts, nightmares, flashbacks, sleep disturbances, impaired concentration, uh, memory that also can also be impaired, a heightened self-response, having uh, trouble functioning at home or at work, severe fear, anxiety, um, unable to fo form close relationships or satisfying relationships because of the events of, from sexual assault. They may have terrifying memories, uh, again, the nightmares, and they may avoid a lot of um, um, things in the environment that may trigger and remind them of the trauma. They may feel disconnected from others. They are emotionally numb and um, self-medicate from alcohol or drugs just to feel better. 
So um, let's talk about the chronic stress um, that may result in changes in the neural chemical systems in the brain that again changes the brain circuits in the hippocampus, the medial uh, prefrontal cortex, and the amygdala. As mentioned earlier, the hormones that are involved in this changes would be the norepinephrine and the cortisol. They are neurochemical hormones that are linked in stress response. As the nurse practitioner, you have the responsibility to explain to your patients to find the balance to promote neurogenesis with antidepressant treatments to block the effects of stress. Studies have shown that neuronal plasticity and regeneration can occur with the help of um, antidepressants. Highly, highly encourage them to process their trauma with yourself as the provider or with a psychologist, a um, therapist, also with their spiritual pastor, use that uh, spirituality, and counselors. So according to Bremer's patients uh, who have suffered from childhood abuse, rape, Holocaust, combat trauma may have deficits in verbal uh, declarative memory function and may also have dissociative amnesia, uh, attentional bias, and deficits in autographical memory. Research have been shown that the amygdala is involved in memory in the emotions experienced and, and for those traumatic responses. It is important that we do our mental health first aid after trauma. Early intervention is very effective. In deployed environments, it is essential that we do stress debriefing. In mass casualties, we do stress debriefing also. It is essential that mental health providers be present after the event. Um, as far as treatment, you need, again, mental health first aid so that those exposed to the trauma may be able to process the event. You may encourage your patient to write about this uh, difficult event in a journal. Collaborate, collaborate, collaborate with a therapist, counselor, a pastor, and tap into their spirituality. Assist your patients to mitigate these effects of adverse childhood events by looking at their strengths. Very important, resilience, cultivate their sense of purpose, their faith, cultural identity, and assist them in the development of self-regulation. Problem-solving skills also increase their social connections. Again, referral to mental health and other resources to increase their socioeconomic advantages. Assist parents for family support and parental education. Educate them on how to nurture their own human capital and their skills. As far as medication management, we've stressed that. Uh, SSRIs such as sertraline, paroxetine, TCA such as amitriptyline uh, is very useful. Off-label use of prazosin and clonidine uh, beta blockers are used for um, um, PTSD-associated nightmares, beta blockers for anxiety. Educate them about the importance of increasing their uh, physical activity, exercise, dancing, uh, journaling, mindfulness. Use uh, grounding techniques and offer uh, them to go into support groups when they're ready. So again, thank you so much for listening to the Psychiatric Nurse Practitioner podcast. This is Ana Sanchez, your host. Until next time.
Psych Nurse Practitioner Podcasts is a weekly podcast where I share with you my passion in the field of psychiatry. My hope is to build a community where we can have empathy and compassion for those struggling with mental health conditions. Find me on Instagram at Anna Sanchez underscore psych underscore NP and at Psychiatric Nurse Practitioner and subscribe to my podcasts. Thank you. Sanchez is a dual board certified as a family and psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. She has a private practice clinic and specializes in telepsychiatry in the state of Georgia. She is the founder for Hope Center for Veterans, which is a nonprofit organization that increases positive outcomes for service members. She currently serves as a medical officer in the United States Air Force Reserves. Her passion is in the care of those who have mental health conditions. The Psych Nurse Practitioner podcast does not constitute for a medical or psychiatric advice. This podcast is not intended to replace professional psychiatric assessment. The ideas expressed in this podcast do not reflect the position of the speakers, authors, and affiliated medical and nurse practitioner organizations.